Welcome to the Strong John Fitness Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you achieve your best body without the BS. We'll cover training, nutrition, basically everything you need for a successful fitness journey, and we'll have some fun along the way. I'm your host, John Vlahoinakos. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the podcast today. Very happy to bring a special guest on the show, and I was actually fortunate enough to be on his podcast. Forgive me for my brain. I think it was a few months ago now. It must have been April or May. Um, the summer's been a whirlwind. Um, but we have Kyle Smith uh, for this drawn-out intro. <laughs> Kyle, thanks uh, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to come on my podcast, man. I'm looking forward to this chat. Dude, thank you very much for having me on. I am also looking forward to this chat, not just because it's on a podcast, but I get to hang out with a pretty pretty cool fella for the next hour or so. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, so for those that don't know Kyle, uh, he's an online coach who helps stuck, frustrated, and overwhelmed dapper dudes construct clarity, cultivate curiosity, and captivate the consciousness. That is a powerful statement. And before I dig into the, anything else, I really would just love if you deconstruct that for us because there's a lot absolutely. there. But a, a lot of a lot of important stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So real simple, just just like how how the statement goes. Uh, folks that are stuck, frustrated, overwhelmed, and dapper dudes, and I can go into what the idea of a dapper dude is as well. It's my personal archetype uh, or uh, internal character. But uh, what what I do is with the stuck, frustrated, and overwhelmed, usually or oftentimes it has to do with ambiguous goals or vision that we are we have an idea of, but we are not committed to going after. So when we get to construct that clarity then the direction is a lot smoother there's less resistance because we understand how to get from point A to point B. And then from there, it's just learning the skills to be able to get that. Uh, then we often do that through cultivating curiosity. And by cultivating curiosity, it brings us more from a place of judgment into a place of compassion. So we can find things fascinating rather than getting pissed off at them. And uh, when we have that, Curiosity. I think that curiosity is one of the first things that we really develop when we begin to exist. We're curious about the whole world, the world that's around us, and uh, kids especially just always asking questions. And I think that that's something that's uh, something that when we get to have that compassion, get to have that curiosity, and uh, we're able to find ourselves seeing seeing things as is rather than what we perceive them to be we get to observe and check things out in that way and in in that regard we end up getting to captivate the consciousness by getting to see the whole world around us in a way that we may not have been or we could have just too many filters that we're seeing the world through and the more we can chip away at that so that we become more objectively aware of our subjective existence it becomes a lot easier to go with the flow of time and go with the flow of life because my philosophy or my not even my own philosophy but we all know that one thing that is a constant is that there's going to be an end of times for ourselves no matter what happens outside of us there will be a time where we're just we're done we kick the bucket so when we get to kind of experience a what what I like the idea of is a, a hustle harmony 
where it's not a balance of all these aspects of our life, but an integration of our life, then we get to have more so a smoother, uh, smoother, smoother, more harmonious, uh, not neutral, because there's always going to be ups and downs, but we get to experience our life from a place of enjoyment and uh, fulfillment. Yes. Yeah. What a breakdown. There's so much to unpack there. The first thing I will say, because as a dad, kids ask a million and one questions every day. You're absolutely right. We are, we are born into, as soon as they can talk, they're asking the same thing five times <laughs> and making sure that you hear them and you answer them. Cause if you don't, they're going to keep asking you. So hundred percent, we are, we are curious beings. And do you feel just like we lose our curiosity as we, as we get older, as we're kind of like, I have, I have my theory on what we do as adults, but I obviously I want, I want you to delve in. This is, this is your thing. Um, you are the clarity consultant. So I want to know kind of, are we just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, not paying attention? What does it look like to you? The way that I perceive it or the way that I see it is it's something that it's like walking. So we learn how to walk and we learn how to be curious. And from there, we learn how to jog. Then we learn how to run. Then we learn how to increase or decrease our speed. Sometimes we just don't run. And so we're not really that good at it. And I think curiosity is a skill set that we can develop. And it's just us not practicing it because we have all the answers all the time. And so we don't have to uh, research things. We don't need to explore the possibilities because we already have the answers. So there's no sense in putting in the mental effort to seeking out uh, solutions on our own. And I think that there's a spot where, like anything, there's a sweet spot where we are either using it or it is using us. And I find that when we have power over or autonomy of uh, what comes into our mind, which everyone does, it nourishes our mind or it starves our mind. And by engaging in that curiosity and then practicing that skill of seeing things from a curious eye rather than uh, just a perceiving eye or judgmental eye, I suppose, we're able to then just keep on fostering it. And then we end up having the point where we go from perceiving things or our mind looking out for things that we are used to, to looking out at a broader spectrum of things as well. So we're looking for opportunities rather than obstacles. So it's also changing our way of thinking and then we just become more curious uh, by accident. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And with curiosity, do you feel like we're just too distracted to be able to develop that curiosity? I don't think it's distraction. I think it actually has more to do with intention. We lack intention. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because distraction, distract, we're surrounded by distractions as is. And distraction in itself is not a bad thing because keep in mind that if we were walking and we've seen a rustling in the bushes, we're going to be curious about whether or not something's going to kill us. And I find that we just have the same. So our monkey brains, our human brains are not evolving as fast as our environment. Hmm. So if we still have the same programming from billions of years and our environment is actually out evolving us, because even like, if you look at AI in six months or 12 months, it already 
uh, evolves 10 years. And we're not keeping up with that. Like we have to slow evolving on technology. Ours, oh, we're taking our good old sweet time, man. <laughs> we're taking our good old sweet time. So it's easy to become distracted because we have so many things to distract us. However, if we are intentional with our attention, then we are less distracted because we understand that there is less distractions. So it goes through the process of elimination. So if we recognize, oh, I'm distracted. So that would be the second part of thinking where it's our initial impulse, ooh, a phone alarm or yep. phone notification. Uh, that is an easy distraction for a lot of people. However, it is still a choice for us to pick it up. And then it's not just the choice in advance, but it's also being present enough to be able to recognize when we have picked it up and we're mindlessly doing it and then putting it down. Yeah, I think so that's that way. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll cut you off. So, so that's so that's where that's where uh, the intention of what is the intention of our time. So the way I would put it for myself and my uh, clients is. If you're intention, if you're not intentional about your time, your time is going to use you, or whatever is around you is going to take up your time. So it. if we don't have the autonomy of our time, then we're depending on the outside world to dictate how we use our time. And in my opinion, there is a lot less externally working with us in our best interests, or at least there's nothing externally that we can depend on that'll give us better rules that we can set up for ourselves. So if we can depend on ourselves and following up with the plans that we set for ourselves, then we have more intentionality behind our actions, which means we are less prone to distractions. And then by basically decreasing all the bullshit or the noise that we understand, it's like, I know I don't feel good looking at this. I should probably get rid of it because outside of that, it is external I put it as domestication, external domestication onto everyone else checks this thing and they have to know, and I have to know what this thing is, even though I have no shits about it, but everyone else knows about it. But then that's still taking up cognitive space. So you're still distracting and intentional about being in the loop, but being in the loop at what cost? Oh man, this is so, this is so good. You're hitting so many bit, so many things. Part of the problem I think is we are just the the phone because that's kind of what we're talking about it, it's phone and, and maybe cross tv in there but it's it's become autonomous where people are not thinking about what they're doing i'm and i'm guilty too like i'll if it's sitting next to me i'm reaching for it way too much i have the self-awareness but i haven't set the intent to put it in another room put it in a drawer stop myself when i'm about to check my email for the 17th time in the hour like it's the things like that but I think you're right. I mean, in, intention is where a lot of people, I don't want to say fail in their fitness journeys, but I think that's a missing link because, I mean, whether it's mindless snacking, whether it's mindless scrolling, whether it's, you know, your fourth episode of Bridgerton or whatever it is in a row, it becomes something that you just let happen versus recognizing, like you said, I don't feel good right now. I should probably stop and do something else. How do you get someone out of that frame of mind that's a that's a fun one so like anything awareness is the most important thing so depending on the individual 
depending on the individual, I would recommend a couple of different tactics because there's also people that are a little bit more logic based and a little bit more creative based. And I'm trying to, no matter what, the objective that I'm trying to do is to get both of those sides of the brain working with the consciousness. So you are consciousness, John, I am consciousness, Kyle, and the biomechanical forms of transportation in between uh, life and death are pretty much the same kind of systems because it's been around for billions of years, or at least like not billions of years, but we've been here. So my intention is to make sure that people are living consciously and then have like a, a second kind of, uh, kind of a, a second voice that's kind of popped up there. So in saying that, in saying that for the creative side of things, I actually have a framework of, uh, the rival, the role model and the primary voice. Uh, so that one's a little bit more fun. Uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a comic book artist. That was my first kind of vision for uh, my future occupation. And I had, I was a pretty decent drawer too. I was pretty good. And I would like do the, do the squares, rectangles, fill it all in. So I made like legit comic books. And in that time I just developed, uh, uh, I really enjoy the character creation. So I'm going to give two examples of how to create this more intentionality. But so this part is the creation of what I call the rival, the role model, and the primary. And the primary is the easiest to explain. The voice that I am using presently to speak with you and vice versa, this is our primary voice. So no matter how many voices we may be hearing, the voice that we communicate with is the voice that is in control, despite what our thoughts may say. Okay. because no matter what, we're going to be able to push on that one. Uh, the role model is the person that you envision to be the absolute best version of you, the person that you look up to. Then the rival is the person that is more prone to distraction. So for myself, the dapper dude is my role model, and Mr. Simpleton is my rival. So the part with this intentionality is that People do things because they may perceive in that moment that is their only choice. What this kind of mental framework does is that it introduces options and we get to make informed decisions on our behavior rather than reactive decisions. So if I'm going to go for my phone, is it like, oh, is that Mr. Simpleton or is that the role model? Is that the dapper dude? Because then I get to compare my behavior to those two characteristics. And then that makes the decision-making simpler because we know we get to decrease our guilt. If we know that we are at least in that moment being Mr. Simpleton or the rival, because we're not, we are then making a conscious decision to do something that maybe is not in alignment with what we want to accomplish. And that's okay. The next time we'll just make the next decision. We're just going to make it more in alignment with the role model. So from that kind of framework, from using imagination, it's just creating that informed decision between the two characters that you one wish to embody and two wish to avoid. So then we can go with the more logic based one where, and this one's one that I'm, that I really like have been, enjoying a lot. It's real. It's, I don't find it to be tedious because I think it's simple, but for the intentionality, when you wake up, 
start a 15 minute alarm and every 15 minutes jot down notes of what you did in that 15 minutes. Ooh. And I, yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, you get to see from that perspective. So the first one was all up here. So then for the second one, when we have that alarm, we have that, we're already prone to distraction. So the second that the alarm goes off, we're going to be on it like flies on poop. So then what we get to do, how this empowers us is let's say, so this morning I was up at four, my alarm started at four, four fifteen, or the 15 minute timer came off. What did I do in between four and four fifteen? What did I do between four fifteen and four thirty? What did I do? And I do 15 minute increments because it's not too long and not too short. And so it kind of lines up really well with a Pomodoro style timing, which also adds to a technique in, in, in a strategy and in intentionality. And for myself, I get distracted really, really easy as well. I am not diagnosed, but I definitely got a lot of the characteristics of an individual that could possibly have some sort of uh, neurodivergent learning or ADHD in some case. So just understanding this, the 15 minutes is enough time where I can put intentionality of what I do in that 15 minutes. So that's tricking the brain to create purpose where no purpose is. So we are more focused on getting the thing done because we have a time cap. So just like working out at the gym, you have a 15 minute time cap for a workout. You're doing as many rounds as possible in 15 minutes. How much work AMWAP? Oof, I don't know if I like that, but as much work as possible. <laughs> Isn't it the same as AMRAP? Yeah, yeah, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so those are the kind of the two things. And you get to get an objective perspective. You get to have a 10,000 foot view of how you spend the day. So then we just develop more awareness, just like tracking food. If we're tracking our food, we develop that awareness to be able to say, hey, I actually am not eating enough protein. That's one that I hear all the time is, oh, I'm not, I'm not eating enough protein. I didn't know this. I thought I was eating plenty. I thought I was eating too much, but that's not the case. Yeah. And then, so those are two ways of intentionality. And then I think, I think that was, that I was, think that, that caps yeah. quite a bit. Um, the time audit I love in the time audit can definitely, and I was going to ask you for, are you just doing it for one day? I'm assuming. No, I'm no? going to, no, I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it. Cause I'm also going to put it into a graph and I separate, uh, man, I'm, I might go on a couple tangents, but I separate everything into fours. So I have the four, four F's of fate. So this is like a mental framework. It's really nerdy as well. I purposefully do it, nerd, make things nerdy because I'm a nerd. So I'm drawn to those kind of things. So alliterations, fate, that mysticism, I fucking love it. And I also look at it like this. Like I define fate as a series of behaviors indicating a future outcome. So if we're able, if we think of what fate is, and I love this from God of War Ragnarok, there was the, the sisters of fate, like the Norse uh, version of them. And they said that they don't actually, so I'm paraphrasing, of course, they don't actually create the thread. They just look at a person's past behavior in order to come up with an objective uh, probability or hypothesis as to what the future has in store for them. So we can obviously see like who I am now is due to my 
Like who I am now is my past's future, while it is also my future's past. But nonetheless, I'm still present. So in this moment, every decision that I make can weave my own threads of fate. And so with this time audit, I categorize everything into from most important to least important, fitness, finance, fellowship, fulfillment, fitness, health, finance, wealth, fellowship, relationships, and fulfillment, happiness. And fulfillment could also be tossed in as like faith. If someone's more of a faith-based client, Mm -hmm. then it's kind of the, it's fulfillment is in all, in the common denominator among religions and philosophies is don't be a piece of shit human being. (laughs) That's true. I laugh, but it's so true. Right. And so, and so if we're looking at fulfillment and, and faith, there's not much of a difference. It's just how someone perceives it and how important it is for them to develop it. Whether it is right or wrong is irrelevant because it's real to us. And fulfillment definitely fits, fits for me a bit, but I also have the four Fs of fate. There's a lot of Fs there, man. <laughs> I love that. No, I've, I've done a framework like that before. It was fitness, family, finance, and fulfillment. And the fulfillment piece always nice. threw me because... I'm not a spiritual person. My family, my family would have been, and as I was growing up, but so I was. I always like I don't. I don't know what this one means to me. And I always struggle with that. The other three, you can easily tell. You know, when your fitness is aligned, when your finances are aligned, when your family life is aligned. That one's. Those are. I can tell <laughs> if I've been a shitty dad or not. The fulfillment is like. <laughs> yeah. Is I guess it's it's what's filling what's filling my cup, but the easiest thing for me to connect to mentally was the spirituality piece, but. I personally don't go there. I don't connect there with my actions. So that's where of the four Fs of like, I love the framework frameworks. I think really are very helpful. I need to get back to those, but how did you, how do you do fulfillment? How do you, with that framework, how do you fill up the cup? Oh man, that's a good one to answer an original question though, for how, how many days I'm doing this audit so far, I'm two days in, I'm going to do minimum seven but I want to see how it fits in with the graphs and stuff like that. I think it, I, I think it's just cool. I just think it's cool. Uh, but for fulfillment, <clears throat> well, my friend, fulfillment is a couple things. So fulfillment, I have a creed, which is the persistent pursuit of self-betterment and to be a positive contribution to the human race. So for myself, my creed, my code of conduct that is where I find the most fulfillment because I am participating in life in alignment with that. And it also answers the question of, would I ever want to retire? And my answer is, if I am no longer fulfilling those two points, then I will retire. So I could possibly never retire. Uh, But how I kind of view fulfillment as a whole in either uh, a philosophical or theological sense is that it's the pursuit of uh, self-actualization of who is the person that we could become and how do we define that? What is the best version of ourselves? Because I find that a lot of people focus on the external when it comes to uh, their particular beliefs, which I also find my own personal opinion in this kind of pursuit of self-betterment and being a positive contribution to the human race and what kind of started this journey, which was the question, what is the truest truth? I've been trying to find a whole bunch of, it's very philosophical. It's like, I'm just, I like thinking, I like thinking. And so what I found is the main difference between 
philosophy and theology is that whether the individual desires an external accountability partner or not. Philosophy is a lot more intro introspection, where it's how can I develop myself into becoming the better human being? And in Stoic philosophy, they have courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom as their four uh, Stoic virtues. So those are very similar to most religions. And so it's just whether or not someone believes that there is a God or a higher power outside of them compared to inside. Uh, I actually view it as uh, a within to without. So you are a universe. I am a universe. Consciousness is our universes to all the amoebas and all the bacteria and all the organisms and enzymes within us. Those are no different than us being around the universe. So what dictates the behaviors and the actions of those uh, characters in a universe. It is the higher power, which would be our consciousness in this mind. So I find fulfillment in the pursuit of seeing what I could be and expanding my thinking far beyond what I think is real to what could possibly be real. Because the thing that's neat on this quick little tangent is all the way down to the atoms, to the ever expanding universe it has the same functions. So whether there is something external or internal, I think just being better human being is the main kind of baseline for fulfillment and then seeing who you can become in that process and challenging yourself. That's a, that's a helpful breakdown. Yeah. I was, I was dabbling in stoicism a little bit last year, a little bit over COVID. Um, I had a little bit more free time too. And and a lot of it resonated with me. Um, I can picture my grandfather being very stoic because he's, he's, very much poker faced but when he needs to speak up he will versus i'm always just like a hard on your sleep type of person but that makes more sense to me because it's like how can i become a better person and it, the way i would look at it i guess in my scenario would be you know i have the different hats father husband coach just human being right there's so what do i want to become in those instances that that's easier for me to to think about because it's it's without the tangible numbers that's where i struggle i don't know about you but it's like okay with fitness it's very clear am i getting stronger or not am i losing body fat mm-hmm. or not am i eating enough protein or like those you can write those numbers down finance numbers very easy family i don't need numbers for that i can see it on their faces and kind of, you can kind of tell pretty quickly if a toddler's happy or not because he'll tell you um <laughs> uh, and with my wife we have meetings so we're, we're pretty in tune there but yeah the uh Looking internally, I know I'm not the only one who struggles with that. I can, I, I know, I would argue most people, their biggest issue is a lack of self-awareness. And maybe I'm wrong, but just because of where we are in society, we're always doing, we're always going, we're always looking, we're always moving, looking ahead. I fall in the same category. How do we, how do we slow down? And maybe it's not slowing down. Maybe it's just stopping intentionally at, at certain set points. What do you, what do you see? Oof. Okay, so I'll use because you gave context on yours, so I'm just gonna like use that because it'll be so much simpler. Go off, man! Absolutely. So tangible because I'm very numbers driven. I'm a data driven person as well, so I absolutely understand uh, the uh, the fulfillment of seeing those numbers fucking climb, man. Mm. It's tangible. It's tangible. So then it becomes, that's the metric for our, for a part of our world, right? That's our external world. 
So then the question comes, what is the metric of improvement for our internal world? So I think defining what that metric would be so that we have a comparison is a good place to start. Sitting in stillness, absolutely, is like slowing down, like just having 30 minutes just to think and to think about our thinking is important as well. It's like, what are my thoughts? Do I confirm my thoughts or do I challenge my thoughts? Am I controlling the narrative or am I just being uh, a part of the story just mindlessly? So simple, simplest thing, going for a walk without any anything, unless you're tracking your steps with your phone, of course, then just leave it at home. Because when you get to have that space, you're creating space in between stimulus and response or stimulus and reaction. And when we get to have that space, we have time to think about the in-between. So a metric that I would probably go with for yourself to create something tangible is because you mentioned a bunch of the hats that you wear, right? So the question that I think would be kind of cool to kind of reflect on would be who, who do you think you are when you're not thinking about who you are? <laughs> okay. I'm going to sit down with that one at some point. Yeah. So then you can think about, okay, so if you're on autopilot, are you automatically, because I think like when we're not thinking we're our autopilot is going right. And our body is a subconsciousness. It was there. It was there before our consciousness developed. And it's around seven, I believe that we start really getting the consciousness going. So if our subconscious is in autopilot and in alignment with our consciousness, then we're going to be able to do things, you know, positively or negatively. So then if you think to yourself, when you're automatically interacting with the world, that is who you are without thinking that you're the dad, without thinking you're the athlete, without thinking you're this or that. It's the person that is at the very base of who you could be and then define what that automatic person is like the role model kind of idea mm -hmm. and then compare those targets. So then defining what you're defining who your best version is, uh, looking at it from a lens of compassion, not judgment, no, don't censor yourself and then just brain dump all the characteristics and attributes that you you want to embody or you think you also want to confirm the things that you already embody that you like about yourself. So you're, we're always going to have the dualities. And I think where a lot of people get distracted is because they only want to embody one part without accepting the other. So then when we're working on extremes, then we set the expectation that the other side, whatever it may be is negative, And then that's not going to help us either. So I think it's actually having a very biased percep perception and having a fear of being honest with ourselves as to the characteristics and traits that we embody that we like and dislike. And then basically looking at that, how many times today did I embody the best version of myself? Okay, well, let's look at my list. Oh, damn, I was consistent as fuck. <laughs> Boom. I show up for 10 podcasts. I'm a podcaster boom, showed up for this. So then you still have the tangible this and that. It's, uh, it's not having something to compare it to that makes it difficult. And that's why data-driven decision-making is so much simpler is because all the information is there. So it could be carried over from the external to the internal. What a fucking breakdown. That was awesome. <laughs>
I'm gonna. I don't listen to my own podcast episodes usually. This one, I'm gonna be sitting back and taking notes after we're done. Um, Sick. I love that shit. Yeah, that's great. I had a question that came up, and now I lost it. Oh no, it's just. I I would absolutely say that most people are scared to to do this exercise, right? I think. And again, I'm being generalistic for sure, but I do think it applies that we we like the distractions because it keeps us busy. It keeps our minds elsewhere from the hard shit, from the shit that we need to change, the shit that we know we need to do. One of the examples I love is to bring up is laundry. Mm-hmm. I think people do too much laundry every single week. I absolutely do. Based on the data of like how many, usually your average household with a family, how many articles of clothing each person has already, the average Canadian or American, Nobody needs to be doing laundry three to four times a week. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But laundry is an easy task to make you feel like you did something without actually going into the shit that you need to do, like taking 30 minutes to sit down and write out <laughs> the dualities of, of yourself as an individual. It's, it's stuff like that. I mean, obviously, social media, movies, and all that shit make it worse because it, it's easy to do so. Um, you have dogs, right? One? Yep. Got one, one dog one? and two cats. Okay, yeah. I don't know how you do both. I can I can barely handle one dog. Super chill, man. She's That's like twelve <laughs> years old. Good vibes. My, a lot of people might not like this, um, but I ran one of my clients is a dog. Is, she's like a dog trainer, but not really a dog trainer. She helps moms with their their fitness with their dogs as well. She was cool with this, so I'm like, I'm gonna run with it. Most people, I would argue, put more effort into their dogs than themselves for their health and fitness because it's easier to do it for their dog. People love their dog, but I think it's also an easy distraction. I mean, I'm sure the rate of getting dogs over COVID was through the roof. We ended up getting one too, um, which is a good and bad decision depending on how you look at it. But I feel like it's another one of those things that, you know, they're doing something, it's positive, but it's not really helping them. It's just like, I got to take care of my dog now or I have to do this for the dog. The amount of pampering dog videos I've seen on Instagram is disturbing. Like you're giving your dog like a straight up like 35 minute Manny petty bath scrub but you won't go work out for 20 you know what i mean it's the shit like that that i I have a hard time with and maybe people aren't ready to hear it but it's just i just speak on the trends man i don't don't know and this went on a huge tangent but that it's just the distraction thing i think it's easy to pick up on like we're busy so let's stay busy to keep us from doing the internal work basically what do you think i completely agree with that dude I completely agree with that because when you, when you break it down as well, I think of, I I break it down where the consciousness is the owner and the subconscious, the body is the pet and people want to externalize their accountability rather than internalize their accountability because it's easier to take care of someone or anyone else outside of it, outside of us than it is to, yeah, outside of us. And that's kind of funny too, is like, Something that something that I really like to get my clients to work and talk about is delegation. How do you delegate things? And this is a funny little trick, and I think there's some truth to it. Like, let me know what you think. But when we are so prone to giving our we people are concerned about asking for help because they don't want to inconvenience another person when in all possibility other people are going to help you quicker because they don't want to take the time to do their own thing. So they're going to feel productive in a sense, 
helping another person's goals or objective come to fruition, but it also gives the added bonus of procrastination via altruism so that we don't need to do the things that we actually wanted to do. So I, I definitely think that there is, when we have like the external part, when we find that our narratives are habitual, because that's our thoughts as well. Our thoughts are habitual, like something like 40, 40,000 of our 60,000 thoughts per day is repeat. Hmm. So if we don't want to deal with those, then we're going to find an external source. And realistically, it doesn't matter whether it's a bottle. It doesn't matter if it's a dog. It doesn't matter if it's a baby. There's something outside of us that we get to take care of. So we get to feel that fulfillment. And then that's why I find people associate their purpose with the external world rather than the purpose of becoming the better self. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's where moms will always put everyone else before them until they get to a point of they're, they're tired of doing it because they're like, well, no one's taking care of me. It's time to take care of me. But at that point it's like, well, how many years have passed? So your kids five, 10, 20. Uh, and it gets harder and harder to break that cycle of, of someone who's just constantly giving. Um, and I think maybe that's where captivating the consciousness is, is kind of been almost the running theme. I mean, we've hit all of the, all of the alliteration today so far. Um, but it sounds like the consciousness is one of the most important pieces to it all. Yeah. Cause then when you, cause if you look at it like a pyramid and the bottom of it is fitness and then it goes finance, then it goes uh, fellowship, then fulfillment, then you can put that all into one big circle of the self. And so if the higher thinking is the self and what that is and who that is and how we define that, or another thing that's kind of fun is com- coming up with a mental framework or mental mentors to kind of uh, inhabit different voices that you want to have going through your head that are more in favor of what you want to do. And that's like something I can talk about. But when we think of who the self is that we want to become, then we get to gamify it and we get to become the character of this video game. So it's another kind of nerdy reference but you're your character. And then eventually over time, you wanted to change the characteristics and attributes to fit the character that you want to be rather than the character you were given. And it's just like the beginning of Skyrim, man. We figure out which which kind of like character we want. And then we go from there. Now, of course, we don't have the, uh, the uh, ability to change very much from like what we have to interact in this real world. But just like, just like Grand Theft Auto, when you have all the passcodes to all the weapons in Grand Theft Auto, you don't play the storyline. At least for myself, I not once played the storyline. The only goal was putting those passcodes in and creating as much destruction as possible. And I'll tell you right now, because I wanted to game the rules, I wanted to game the system, not in the sense of playing along with the rules. I wanted to change reality to fit what I wanted. And that was a not very fulfilling life. I never got to play that storyline. So we can apply the same kind of premise to the external world as well, where we have the rules that are around us. Like the universe functions at the same same way from small to microscopic to ever expanding. Rather than trying to change the rules to fit our subjective existence, why not play the objective rules and subjectively change? Hmm. Because that's where we have the most control of is the character that we get to inhabit. So when we get the, the fitness, the finance, the fellowship, the fulfillment, then we create the self. Who is our consciousness? 
how would I define the person that exists in this point in time presently? And then we get to really think of like the consciousness as uh, the best version. I, I call, I have a, I have a character for mine as well. I'll share this one. And because the mind is not, the mind is only limited to what we limit it to. So I have like uh, age, age ranges or different variations of Kyle and it's council of Kyle. And this is going to be all nerdy. I'm not sure if I have DID. I'm not entirely sure. We'll see. We'll see. But it's my council of Kyle's. It's a variety of different individuals that could like help me out in something. So my, the best version of me, uh, I titled this character, Kyle Devesicus. And a vesicus is the overlap between two circles, like a Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. And vesicus is that middle section. And that is the embodiment of dualities. So in my consciousness, the best self that I aspire to be like, which needs to have the buildup of the pyramid as a foundation in order to reach that higher level of fulfillment and thinking and joyfulness and serenity. That's where I'm going to be able to find the neutrality, the middle part. And that Kyle in particular, I envision him being about 700 years old. <laughs> Love it. No limit. Yeah. That's so awesome. it's like, so it's just, so it's, I'm trying to create like a feedback loop where it's like, holy shit, I got to think of the person that I wish to become. Holy shit, I'm actually participating in becoming that person to the best of my ability. And it's created over time. It's not something that happens overnight, but the character can be created overnight. And so it's just coming up with, coming up with an individual that you want to admire, respect, and uh, creating that curiosity and captivating the mind and trying to deep dive into the self because kind of like, kind of like how we treat earth, we still haven't ventured into all of our oceans, but we're trying to get outside in space. Hmm. Same kind of concept. We're not going down into the deep waters. We're scared to go into the deep waters, but we're not scared of going out into space. That's interesting. It's, like, it's external. Yeah. It's now. Oh, wow. This, we didn't, I didn't block out enough time for today, clearly. Um, so we're definitely going to do a part two at some point, maybe in the fall. But um, if you could leave us with one, I don't even want to say golden nugget. I love like one action step from today because there's a lot mm. that we covered that you covered specifically that maybe someone might leave this feeling a bit overwhelmed on what to do next. Fair. So if there's one thing that you could leave the audience with, of like if, if you've got, there's nothing else you can do from this, do this one thing just to kind of get the ball rolling. What would it be? Perfect. Uh, so I mentioned it earlier, where the four F's. So fitness, finance, in order of most important to least important. Fitness, finance, fellowship, the people you spend the most time with, and fulfillment. What brings you joy? What brings you life? What What is your highest priority value? So that ties into each one. We can have one main objective for each one and make it simple. So I'll give an example in each one. First one, fitness, 10,000 steps per day. Heard it all the time, right? But I'm also going to tie in, do it without distractions. Don't do it with your phone. Put your phone on silence and actually uh, encourage thoughts. And rather than just confirming your thoughts or going with the flow of your thoughts, try to challenge your thoughts while you're out for a walk. So fitness, 10,000 steps, 
think about how you think and converse with your thoughts into finance. So that would be a specific objective. And then finance have a specific objective. Uh, is it to make more money? Is it to pay off debt? Is it to save up for a trip? Is it to save up for uh, your child's tuition to university? What is that specific objective that you deeply desire? And it's not just like, don't do things just because other people do it, because that's horseshit. Do it because you feel it is so a part of what you wish to be known for that you're good. Uh, so then finance, then you go fellowship. Tactic for this one, take mental inventory of the people that you feel the most energized with and the people you feel the most disempowered with. So the ones that you are pumped to be around and the ones that you are miserable to be around. Just create a list. Just create a list. You don't need to do anything with the list, but having that list will at least be able to give you an idea of uh, where you want to allocate your finite amount of time. Another thing that I'm going to add to that as well is when it comes to fellowship and family especially, be stern with your boundaries, but not excessive. You don't need to like not speak to your family and friends and all that kind of stuff if they feel a little meh or like a little off or they're not exactly contributing to a positive kind of vibe but be mindful of how much time you spend and it's okay to kind of venture out into creating your own space so for fellowship figure out who is the most energizing figure out who is de-energizing and to add to that as well is to come up with your main fellowship so who are your five main people the people that you spend the most time with, that you can learn the most with, that you're absolute uh, rock star with. Uh, and then last thing is fulfillment. Just find the thing that really uh, gets you going, that really impacts you, that you enjoy a ton lot, a ton, a ton. Yeah. And then that's kind of the main things I got on that one. Kind of lost my train of thought there for a second because I know that's uh, was all over. You've been, you've been dropping but knowledge bombs. I believe that would probably be the main ones that I got going on. I love it, man. Yeah, you you were dropping knowledge bombs for about forty five minutes straight, so that's that's totally cool. Uh, losing your train of thought here and there, but um, I unfortunately have to jet. We again, we have to do a part two, um, whether it's on mine or yours. Either way, I'm game because I, I want I want more of this. But um, I will leave uh, your Instagram in the show notes. Thank you, Kyle, again so for. In- for- Go ahead. I think we froze there a little bit. Thank you again, my man, for taking the time to uh, to come on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you again very soon.